Hey, podcasters, great day. There's only one thing, really, that I need to say beforehand, and that is, if you want to know what's going on with the impeachment scandal, you've come to the right place. Here's today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. There's a couple of stories here that we want to address. The Democratic head of the House Intelligence Committee, Representative Adam Schiff, learned about the outlines of a CIA officer's concerns that President Trump had abused his power just days before the officer filed a whistleblower complaint. This according to a spokesperson and current and former American officials. The early account by the future whistleblower shows how determined he was to make known his allegations that Mr. Trump had asked Ukraine's government to interfere on his behalf in the 2020 election. It also explains how Mr. Schiff knew to press for the complaint when the Trump administration initially blocked lawmakers from seeing it. The CIA officer, the CIA officer approached a House Intelligence Committee uh, with his concerns about Mr. Trump. Concerned about how the initial avenue for airing his allegations through the CIA was unfolding, the officer approached the House aide. The House member, following the committee's procedures, suggested the officer had to find a lawyer to advise him and meet with the inspector general with whom he could file the complaint. The aide shared some of what the officer conveyed to Mr. Schiff, and uh, Mr. Mr. Schiff uh, informed him that he should go see this particular lawyer. This particular lawyer is a um, uh, is a former lawyer for Schumer and also Hillary Clinton, and this former lawyer is also a donor to Joe Biden. Now, when the president lost his stack yesterday, and he did, um, I just kept watching him going, Mr. President, please, please hold it together. Help is on the way. Time is your friend here. Uh, this is going to come undone. And yesterday, I have I've never in my in my uh, what twenty years of television broadcast, I have never uh, had to do a a rough draft chalkboard. And yesterday, I was working with the research team, and we were we were putting all of this timeline together. And I kept saying, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What about this? Where did this go?" And I've 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 had to. It's three chalkboards, three chalkboards, and I have to go back and redo all of it today. There is so much information. But even us, we have done the research. We know all of the documents. We have seen the court records. We know exactly uh, what we know and what we don't know. Just the stuff that we can verify through court documents or any kind of document or sources that are not unnamed. When we stood back For those of us who have been researching this and on this for almost, what, eight months? When we stood back and looked at the timeline, all of us said, holy crap. Actually, I don't think it was those words, but it was close to that. Holy crap. Look at this. When you see this chalkboard tonight in 12 hours and 19 minutes, you will be stunned 
at how clear this is, and you will understand why the president is going apoplectic. Because no one is putting the timeline together. And when you actually see the real timeline, not the one to convict Donald Trump, but the one that could convict Donald Trump or could convict the DNC. When you put just the facts and you don't care where the chips uh, land, it's stunning. I have, Stu hasn't seen the chalkboard yet. Stu, when you see it, 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 it it's, it, it's remarkable. You understand how this Russia thing started. I can give you the name of the person I believe started the idea that Russia's involved. I can give you the name. An interest of accuracy here. Yeah. Calling it a chalkboard singular is not exactly the right way to refer to it. It, It's going to cover what I would say is likely three chalkboards. Uh, Four. It's going to be four. Four chalkboards. Four chalkboards. And this is the thing. It's such a complicated story. And you know what the left is depending on? It's a complicated story. It's a story. complicated story that you but won't take the time to understand. that's my gift. That's <laughs> the one yes. thing I do really well, <laughs> yeah. is I can take complicated stories and make them and, and, and make them make sense. And that is, they're going to mock because they're going to say, oh, look at the crazy chalkboard. I'm doing my best to not make it crazy. I'm doing my best to make it entertaining so you won't have your eyes roll in your head mm-hmm. because that's what the news is counting on. Mainstream media, the DNC, is counting on this story is so complex and so mind-numbing that no one can explain it so the average person can understand it. I can. I can. And I know I'm going to be decimated. But I will tell you this. We have had, how many eyes, have we ever done a special since Soros? Have we done a special that has gone through the rigors of this one? That we have just gone over and over and over. Do we have the sources on this? Do we have the documents on this? Do we have the correct translation? Translated again with someone else. Have we ever done that? Well, this one is particularly difficult because there are, you have the truth. You have what the media is saying, and you also have a lot of conspiracy nonsense that's trying to tie this all together, which isn't doing it correctly. Correct. So sorting through that is really important because if you don't have it right, you're just going to be, oh, they're a conspiracy theorist, and all the entire story gets thrown out. That's what they're depending on, right? Yes. They're waiting for They're waiting for people to make mistakes. And the it. chalkboard won't help because the chalkboard is complex. And so when you lay it out... It will look complex, and that will be, they'll take the image and go, Glenn Beck and his crazy chalkboards. It's about watching. (laughs) You have to actually hear the words that go along with the chalkboard. If you watch this, if you listen, I mean, we were talking today. We've cut a portion of the the special out today because we think we need to give people a few minutes, a few times just to rest, just to go, wait, okay, what did I just hear? We have Jason uh, in with us. He is uh, the the guy who put the timeline together. He's had, what, about four hours sleep in the last five, six, seven days? <laughs> I think about so, yeah. Somebody was, somebody was tweeting, oh, why, why don't you just release it now for free if it's so important? Well, we are releasing it for free. Tonight it will be on YouTube and Facebook. 
watch it. YouTube and Facebook. You're going to have to look for it because they are throttling me uh, in uh, the digital thr- uh, throttle world. They are throttling me right now like I don't think ever before. So you got to go to the Blaze Facebook page, the Blaze YouTube page. Is it going to be on mine? I don't know. I know it will be on the – it's on my Facebook page. Okay, Glenn Beck Facebook page uh, and YouTube page. Make sure you go there. Tell your friends. Have a watch party or just call all of your friends and watch it together, you know, virtually. Um, but this one is stunning. I want to go to Jason here in one minute and we'll we'll – talk a little bit about some of the new stuff that is just popping up in the news today that is not new it's not new uh it's it's actually just a verification of something we already knew knew but no one was reporting on it and it is important that you know and we'll give this to you in one minute. Stand by. And if you want to get access to not only uh, tonight's special, but also all the background on Biden and all the other stuff that's been going on in the coverage here, uh, they do have a special for tonight because of what's going on with Ukraine. Uh, GB20 off. You get 20 bucks off uh, your membership. GB20 off. That's your promo code at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Blazetv.com slash Glenn. You're going to get 20% off your yearly subscription. Uh, join us and please your subscriptions are really what pays the salary to be able to do this and i don't think anybody understands i mean Bowie, another one of our producers was up until what almost three o'clock in the morning yeah, uh and please. that's not the first night she's done that and she's got to be in i think in about 15 minutes from now uh because she's got a full or she's already here she's already here yeah um <laughs> she i mean everybody is exhausted uh putting this together it is your membership to blaze tv that actually pays for all of this uh and we we'd love to have a lot more uh, uh, subscribers because we need a bigger staff uh, all right. Uh, you can subscribe now. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn GB20 off is your uh, promotion code. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I can't thank you enough for listening to this program and um, and and honestly uh, allowing us to talk about the things that we feel are important um, and helping us do that. Please, today, I ask that you would spread the word on social, uh, all of your friends, call them, email them, Facebook them, do whatever it is you do. Uh, to let your friends know today it's really important that they're watching my Facebook page tonight at 9.30 p.m. Uh, or the YouTube page, and you will see the special live. Now, Stephen Crowder is going to be on right before us uh, on The Blaze, so right when his uh, show ends, we will be able to start our special, um, and we're... We're thrilled. I mean, the blaze has really grown so much, and we thank you for for your support. Jason, head researcher, uh, head writer for the Glenbeck program, you are the guy that has uh, really spent all the time to put the chalkboard together or the actual timeline together. 
Uh, and I don't even think you knew last night when we started doing it together and putting it up on the chalkboard. I don't even think you knew how devastating it was. Well, it's and it's still coming together. We keep finding more stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be the, you know, it's going to be, you know. The, it is the smoking gun. It's, which we did. That's not what we intended to no, discover we didn't. on this. We didn't. We didn't think we would. And you know what? We knew all of these pieces, not all of them. Some of the, some of the stuff that you found in your digging uh, is new. But open source and, you know, like court documents, crazy, yeah. crazy things that you're like, wait a minute, this went already went to court and there was a conviction on it and we yeah. don't know it. Yeah, it's amazing. The, the interesting thing about this project as well is we, we, we knew that, you know, it's when it started off, we we're like, OK, the, the Democrats have accused the Trump administration now twice for the same crime, but different countries. At this point, I think they're just starting in Russia and they're just moving west till maybe they hit the right, you know, bullseye. Mm -hmm. I think they'll accuse Poland next of including with the Trump administration of influencing the election. But we're like, okay, it's usually the person that's that that comes out with the accusation that no, you know, if it's a wild accusation, they come out. It's usually that they're the ones that think that you know they're probably guilty of the same exact thing. Yeah, it's we've always (laughs) said this that if somebody diagnoses a problem in somebody. Check them because they're probably see when you see something you don't like in somebody. Yeah, it's a reflection of I've been there or I am there. Usually I know this. Okay, and 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 that was our first thought. Uh, But this is more like a Columbo episode. (laughs) We have a segment in tonight. I'm trying to break it down and make it entertaining. I think this is a really bad Columbo episode. And when you see the acting on Columbo, and then you look at the acting of Nancy Pelosi and all the others involved, <laughs> it's a bad Columbo episode, because it follows... I was... I read the uh, I read the initial outline, what was it, two days ago, and I was sitting on the couch behind uh, uh, Jason in his desk, and I'm reading it, and you must have thought I was nuts, because <laughs> I all of a sudden, I went to my iPad, and I started watching an episode of Columbo. <laughs> And he just turns around and looks at me, and I said, wait, just give me a second. Not like we're busy over here. <laughs> I know. Keep what are you doing? Shows. Keep watching Columbo. <laughs> and I'm watching, and I'm like, give me a second, give me a second. And I come, and I show him, like, five different clips from Columbo. And I'm like, this is that point. This is that point. We are at the point now, and you will see it tonight. We're at the point at the very end of every episode of Columbo. Because remember, in this case, you are Columbo. When he walks away and he's headed towards the door and he's like, ah, wait a minute, just one more thing. (laughs) Whenever he said that, he knew the answer. He knew the answer. And that's where we're at. We're at that very last scene. Ah, wait a minute, one more thing. You're about to nab the villain. And when you see this, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And the real villain here, honestly, is the media. I mean, the real corruption and power and money that has gone on. Yeah, I don't know if you've, you know this. You have had billions of dollars swindled out of your pocket. The taxpayer money that has been stolen by somebody is staggering. Staggering. And I can show you pretty much where it went. I can show you where how it's how it's going here. How what what the system is 
that was put in place to make sure those funds were never found. You know, speaking of the media, the dereliction of duty that, they, that they're guilty of here, I was stunned just on the things that they wouldn't report on. Yeah. So I, I started, I was like, you know, these are very big deals in Ukraine. Like some of these things that we're looking at, like this, this should be a big like deal. front here. page paper every day for months, some of this stuff. Yeah, and no one has talked about it here. Like huge allegations. It is these things like directly involving our elections. We say we're looking. Did anybody influence our elections? They've had trials in Ukraine and they've convicted two people for interfering in our election. We have them on tape. What, What they said on tape is... Is you like you're gonna get hit in the face with a shovel? You will not believe that this stuff exists. Not only that, but they admit to it in their media. I, right, in the, right, them saying it. Yeah, that's what we did. I'm like, that's kind of newsworthy. That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> when you're trying to figure the whole thing out, maybe we should listen to the people who are like, "Yep, we did that." We did it. Hello, <laughs> we have this tonight. 9.30. Tell your friends. Don't miss it. Facebook and YouTube tonight, 9.30. 12 hours away. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Yesterday, do we have the audio of Donald Trump in uh, the White House? Uh, not in the not in the second press conference, but in the first one. He was really angry yesterday. Um, Here he is in the Oval Office speaking to the press. Look, Biden and his son are stone cold crooked. And you it's not the right one. Um, He went off yesterday in the Oval Office. Tell me if you have it. Um, And he was really, really angry. He didn't seem happy in the first clip. You're saying no, it was worse in the Oval Office. Go ahead. Adam Schiff. He's a lowlife. He should be forced to resign. He took a perfect conversation realized he couldn't read it to Congress because it was perfect. It was a very nice conversation. I knew many people were on the phone. Not only were many people on the phone, we had stenographers on the phone taking it down word for word. He took that conversation, which was perfect. He said, I can't read this. So he made up a conversation and he reported it and, and said it to Congress and to the American people. And it was horrible what he said. And that was supposed to be coming from me. But it was all fabricated. He should resign from office in disgrace. And frankly, they should look at him for treason because he is making up the words of the president of the United States. That's not treason. Um, And treason, please, both sides, let's stop using the word treason. Treason is the only crime that has a punishment attached to it in the Constitution. You have to have two eyewitnesses. And if you have two eyewitnesses seeing you commit treason, and that's defined in the Constitution, it's immediate and, uh, and, and irro- irrevocable execution. You can't, you're not going to be tried and like, oh, we're going to give you life in prison. No, 
The only punishment it can receive is execution. That's in the Constitution. So can we please stop using the word treason? Now, what, what Schiff did was, um, was crappy. Was crappy. Because he, he oversold. He put things in the president's mouth. He says he was doing a parody. That's not your role. You are sitting there behind a microphone with your congressional nameplate. And you are, you are characterizing a phone call before it comes out and you have you have knowledge of that phone call in advance i think the president was right i think schiff actually may have helped write uh the um uh the whistleblowers stuff at least attorneys definitely did and i think the democrats had something to do with it it was written by a committee and i wouldn't put it past schiff uh on 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 doing that but the president was he's so frustrated because no one is looking for the truth. This is the laziest. And I'm giving them I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that no one would. They are the laziest group of reporters I have ever seen. They are not doing any actual work on anything of importance. They are going for the lowest hanging fruit and the fruit that has been prepared for them and served up. You guys are lapdogs. Do you realize you are either in on it or you are the biggest, you're the dumbest group of people and the laziest group of people. You are being used. And maybe that's fine with you because of your hatred of Donald Trump or whatever. Look, the guy is hard to like. We got it. He's hard to like. He does a lot of things that I'm like, oh, please don't do that, Mr. President. But he is not guilty of what you're saying he is. But what's more is the people you are in bed with are guilty of it. We'll expose it tonight. Now, I don't have the staff of the New York Times. I don't have the staff of the Washington Post. I don't have the money that they have to do investigations on everything. We can point you in the right direction. We can show you the stuff that is already out in the system. We can piece it all together. But if the press wanted to, they could they could take this and they could name all the names at the top. And if they did that... I'm telling you, the DNC would be over. People will be so disgusted by this. When you see this, and you have to understand, billions of your dollars have been literally stolen from you. We have no idea what happened to those dollars. We can make guesses, but we have no idea where billions of your hard-earned dollars went. We released it to Ukraine. Then the Ukrainians said, hey, there was like $1.8 billion over here. There were $2 million over here. There was another billion over here. We can't find any of that. Where did that money go? And what did our government say? Don't look for it. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Excuse me? You will see how information that was, they were, they were, doing everything they could to get to us was blocked by the administration. Not this administration. 
by all the administration and officials put in by the last administration and all the DNC operatives. That's why the president is upset. But the president shouldn't be. He's frustrated because the people on the right don't have the power of the voice. Our voice is being throttled down by the same kind of system, the same kind of cronyism. The people who have worked for Nancy Pelosi, worked for Hillary Clinton, are now the people in charge of who gets throttled down, what voices are heard and what voices aren't heard. Gee, I think that's a problem. And so this is not going to be um, everywhere because we don't have a central headquarters. Okay, we're not CBS. We're not ABC. We're not the mainstream media. We're Ben Shapiro and Glenn Beck and and uh, and, you know, uh, Cheryl Atkinson and whoever. Joe Rogan, we're not together. But we need to start listening to each other. We need to start working together in some things. And we need to, if somebody is pulling all of a narrative together like we are now, if it, if it, was, if it was Mark Levin, Mark Levin had um, uh, uh, John Solomon on, on Fox on Sunday. John Solomon is a guy who is being destroyed right now destroyed and mark levin had access to be able to get into people's living rooms and if you missed it go to youtube and find it donald trump is is at the end of his rope and they know it we told you on 60 minutes i told you yesterday why hillary clinton said he's an illegitimate president he's just an illegitimate president why is she doing that First of all, could we please play the little montage of what they were saying about Donald Trump before he was elected? Because they said he's going to say the president, Hillary Clinton, is an illegitimate president. Listen to this little montage here. The loser concedes to the winner, not saying that you're necessarily going to be the loser or the winner, but that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country. Are you saying you're not prepared now to what i'm to that saying principle. is that i will tell you at the time i'll keep you in suspense well okay? chris let me respond to that because that's horrifying you start whining before the game's even over if if whenever things are going badly for you and, and you lose you start blaming somebody else mm-hmm. then you don't have what it takes to be in this job reckless and dangerous discussion about the legitimacy of american elections something that's never been challenged before by any major party candidate i think it is quite outrageous to have a candidate uh, make these kinds of uh, uh comments and not exca- not accept what the what the uh, uh what the outcome of the election is going to be especially you know given the way it's done in the united states it's it's impossible to rig an election in the united states we have you know far too many people in control of uh, different parts of it he will not stand in front of his own country in front of his own nation and say that he respects the process and the outcome. That is an outrage, the appalling lack of patriotism from this man. To say you won't respect the results of the election, that is a direct threat to our democracy. Look, some people are sore losers and, you know, we just... We just got to keep going. I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. Mm. He knows. Mm. So why is he doing that? Because... Look, Donald Trump is 
is is uh, a guy who uh, doesn't like to be called illegitimate. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows if you want to get along with him, just say, you know, by the way, you're great. And he appreciates that. (laughs) If you say you are this or that, he doesn't like that. And especially if he knows that is not true. This whole collusion thing with Russia is not true. And they're doubling down on it. How does this phone call make him an illegitimate president? The Russia investigation showed, no, that didn't happen. So why are they now saying and doubling down on illegitimate president? Because it drives him nuts and they want him to make a mistake. Please, Mr. President, please stop watching television. Stop listening to these people. I know this is asking an awful lot of you, but don't listen to them. They are they are baiting you. They are trying to get you angry because you will make a mistake. Please, please, the truth will come out. It is so close right now. This is, this is the moment you've waited for. The evidence is there. And if the GOP and leadership of, of the conservative movement will actually listen and put the whole thing together... The narrative changes overnight. Please, Mr. President, stop listening to them. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. Hey, let me show you something that will make you feel good. Do you remember that really weird story of the cop shooting the guy in the apartment? That he lived above her, I think, if I'm not Yeah, mistaken. one floor one above One floor her. above. Mm-hmm. She's a cop. She comes home. She opens up the door, and she walks in, and she sees a guy sitting down watching TV in what she says was her apartment. She freaks out. Uh, I, we don't know exactly what happened. And then she shoots him and kills him. But it turns out she wasn't in her apartment. She was on the wrong floor. She was in his apartment. Well, the trial just went on and she was convicted. So she's going to jail. But I want you to listen to the brother of the victim as she's getting ready to be sentenced. Listen to this. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. Now listen to this. I don't know if this is possible, but... 
Can I give her a hug, please? And they hug in the courtroom and sob. This is... You know, I... I... You know what the problem is in our world today? Is we've all forgotten who we are. We forgot who we are. Where we came from. And I don't mean I came from here and these people were my parents. I mean really where we came from. This is a profound moment of Christianity. She killed his brother. He forgives her. Says, I don't even want you to go to jail. I just want what's best for you. And loves her. I don't know about anybody else. But in a way, if that guy were me, I'd hope I was hit by a bus today because I don't think I'm going to get any better review from the Lord than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The next day I could be like, ah, oh, shut up. And Your I, Rotten Tomatoes from, the, from God is like 100%. It's 100% yeah. on mm-hmm. that. That is one of the most compelling Beautiful things I have seen. And it reminds us of who we're supposed to be. It also reminds us that, because, uh, I mean, we act as aggrieved parties so often. You know, I mean, it just, it puts so much into perspective. Think of all the times that, like, you know, we, the things that we complain about. You know, the things that we act as if, well, look, yes, I know we're supposed to act that way, but this is too important. I mean, how many times do we do that? All the, time. All the time with the All news. The time. Oh, I'm, I'm going to tweet this because I, I, you know, this is too big. I know I'm supposed to act that way, but I'm going to act this way this time because this is too important. This guy had his brother killed while he was eating ice cream on the couch by this woman. And, you know, he is showing what we're supposed to be to everybody. And he's done more good in that moment than that I know I'll probably ever do in my entire life. I agree. Right? I mean, like, how many people are going to watch that video and have... I bet that's going to change thousands of lives watching that. I mean, it changes your perspective immediately. Immediately. You, you, you imagine? Is there... Would there be anything harder to do? Somebody kills a family member of yours. It's like the Amish. I got to tell you, I, I don't want to dress, you know, with a big hat and 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 go work a plow without any electricity. Not I, a big butter churner. I, I'm not a big butter churner. Raise they work, barns. They work way mm-hmm. too hard for mm-hmm. me. Yes. But if, if, remember when the guy came in and shot all their children and that day they went to the, the killer's house to comfort his family, yeah. that made me go. You know what? There's something to being Amish. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you give me just an hour of electricity or a blender that I can whip that butter up quickly, I might consider it. That's 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 really who we are. It's so funny because I was driving in uh, this morning. I shouldn't say it that way. Um, uh, I got here this morning and I started wa- started watching a video of the news. 
you know, sometimes I listen, some, you know, and I'm in the car. I'm just listening. Anyway, so uh, did you see the video of the the dog that was out in the middle of this river, like in this giant ravine? Uh, and it looked like it was it was all concrete. So it kind of looked like almost like a dam. And this dog was trapped right on the edge of this water and it was pushing the dog close to the edge. And somebody saw this dog. He was all by himself. He sees this dog in there and he decides to climb down into the ravine and go get that dog. So now the water is hitting him and pushing him towards the edge. He goes out and he grabs the dog and the dog is freaked out and he gets to the edge and then he looks up to this giant cement wall and is like, crap, how am I going to get back up? let alone with the dog. And he tries to start to climb up and he can't do it. Somebody sees him. And so another guy reaches down and he's like, here, give me your hand. But he's like four people away, literally. Somebody else walks by. They start this human chain. Somebody else walks by. Pretty soon there's like 10 people. None of them know each other, all trying to save this dog. And they create a human chain all the way down into the river and then they just pull him and the dog up. And I thought, this is who we are. You don't see this stuff. You don't hear people talking about this. But this is who we are. We're people who help each other. We're people who, somebody right now is being bullied. Maybe in school. And there's a kid that is standing up for that kid. There's a teacher who is helping somebody who feels very, very alone and really lost and behind in their work and they just can't seem to get it together. And there is a teacher there that is helping them. We, we lose the little picture. We can't look at the big picture. Look at this Trump thing. Tonight, we're going to show you the big picture. And everybody wants you to zoom in on the phone call. Look at 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 the phone call. No, don't look at the phone call. Come back to the phone call. Zoom out for a second. What does this whole picture show? Now, if we zoom out, we'll see a couple of things. We'll see that the world is on the edge and the United States is on the edge. But we'll also see that we are in the best position in the world. We might have, you know, we might have our troubles here. There might be poor among us. But holy cow, be poor here in America as opposed to any other place in the world. And then zoom in and show the people and look at the people around you who are actually good and decent people. Stop looking at their flaws. Stop looking at the flaws of absolutely everything and start looking at the things we really are. And if we can remember who we really are, as a group, maybe then we can put into perspective on who we as individuals are, and then we can do our own part. As Stu said, this one guy in Dallas made a bigger impact on the things that count than I'll probably make in my whole life. In one act of true bravery and courage. Notice he said, I wasn't going to say this in front of my family. I imagine he thought that there were people who were like, you cannot say that about her. 
What do you mean you forgive her and love her? And he did it. And I guarantee you that he went home. And those people who might have said that to him beforehand admire him today. And he changed the hearts of those who would have tried to stop him before he did it. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. We have a good old friend uh, in the studio with us. It's Jim DeMint, who represented South Carolina in the U.S. House. He was... uh, he was a real leader when he was in the in the house and uh, uh, a guy we could always, always uh, trust. He went to the Heritage Foundation and now he is the chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute. And he has um, authored a new book, co-authored a new book, Conservative, Knowing What to Keep. Jim, how are you? Glenn, I'm great. And it's it's been too long since I've seen you I in know. studio here and uh, really proud of what you're doing. I appreciate you. your voice of reason. Um, and the way you introduced this idea about a minute ago, it makes me wish I'd, I'd let you read, uh, written the foreword, uh, <laughs> uh, along with Jim Jordan, who who wrote it. But uh, it's great to be back back with you. you. I would like to introduce my co-author yeah. and colleague, Rachel Bovard. Uh, Rachel has been a leader in the House and the Senate. Uh, she has been a key staffer uh, for me in the Senate with the Steering Committee, as well as at the Heritage Foundation. But there was a group of us at uh, Heritage who left to start the conservative partnership because we realized we elect a lot of good people. Most of them go bad because we don't take care of them once they get there. And we help them get good staff. We've got a place where congressmen and senators can get together, develop camaraderie, and most importantly, develop some consensus on what they want to do and how they want to do it so they have a little more leverage to push things in the right direction. Uh, but Rachel is a senior partner now with the Conservative Partnership. She's about half my age, and she has uh, been very articulate about conservative ideas. She leads a lot of the staff training at, at the Conservative Partnership of Senate procedures and House procedures. So she made the book a whole lot better. So um, let, let's start at the beginning, um, because I don't think the conservative movement even knows what it is. Yeah, I think that's where we're at and why we thought this was such a good opportunity to sort of step into this space, because everybody's trying to define conservatism. You have the left trying to say we're a bunch of racists, racists and bigots and, you know, anti-change people. You have folks on the right who aren't really sure what it is that we want to stand for. But conservatism, generally speaking, you know, you kind of touched on it. It's not a bunch of reflexive policy positions. Mm -hmm. It's really a set of principles. It's really a philosophy of gratefulness, to be honest. Right. It's looking back and saying, wow, this is a profoundly uh, amazing experiment and it's working and why? And what is it about that experiment that we want to keep? What has been tried and failed? Mm -hmm. What is it that we want to keep? And how do we move forward uh, with prudence? And it's really a, an important balance because if you're, if you are just conservatives and you say, no, leave everything alone, (laughs) that's not enough. Right. You have to have the people who are saying, okay, it is working, but it's this particular piece doesn't seem to fit yeah and so conservatives can't uh just be knee-jerk 
I want to save the country. What does that even mean? Well, this is a key distinction, I think, too, between the left and the right, particularly when it comes to liberals and conservatives. Liberals approach what you're saying is, okay, well, none of this is working, so burn it down. Yes. Destroy it. Right. Start over. Conservatives say, okay, we count, we counsel prudence. There's obviously something going wrong here. Let's figure out what it is. But we have, you know, hundreds of years of history behind us. We never re- re- reinvent the wheel, really. Mm-hmm. So what has worked in the past? What can we keep? And, and what do we change going forward in a reasonable, prudent manner? Mm-hmm. So. so how are you going to get there? How, what are the things that we're supposed to conserve? Well, Glenn, I'll just reflect on what you just asked for a second before I get to that part. I was in business for 25 years, and a lot of it, I, I worked with companies on continuous quality improvement. The point there was to understand best practices or, and understand root causes of problems. But businesses look at each other to find best practices to build on. It's right. the way conservatism works. Right. Like you said, it's not that we're against change, but just everything we have, if you take your iPhone out of your pocket, is a result of years of building on little successes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And changing every year. But you don't throw everything out every year and start over again. But the essence of conservatism, the things we want to keep, we brought a lot of things forward from Russell Kirk in his, from his book, The Conservative Mind. And he's considered one of the, uh, the, the founders of the conservative movement. But ideas like keeping our covenants, that, that may sound strange to someone in politics, but America is a covenant nation. We the people, I have a covenant with you as a fellow citizens and with people I don't know that that's a different relationship than us all living under the rule of a government and we the people have made a government covenant with god and our and our government uh, a limited government at the federal level but people today are kind of disavowing that covenant they burn the flag they they kneel at uh, when they, our anthems being played it's a way of saying i am not in covenant with you it's an important idea if you want a diverse people to live as one together, you've got to believe that you are one. Well, you you have to, and I, I wrote about this um, about a year ago. We've lost our unum, mm-hmm. e pluribus unum. There was something, and I think I know what it is, there was something that brought all these diverse people, the most diverse population ever in the history, like, like not even close to any other place in the world Mm -hmm. and came together and somehow or another we all got along because we agreed on one thing we don't even know what that one thing is anymore yeah and i think we 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 try to touch on that with the covenant philosophy but also on this idea that you know you can keep our differences we can keep our differences and still be a strong country still be a strong america still be strong conservatives but more and more i think as you see this sort of march towards socialism even that is not okay anymore. You know, it's not okay for me to have different gifts than Senator DeMint because oh, yeah. I might achieve something he doesn't. And Correct. you know, the, the outcomes have to be the same for everyone Correct. or it's somehow inherently unfair. That is a total distortion of, of everything America was founded on. So keeping those differences and, and the ability to exercise them is a critical formulation. So what do you mean by the covenant? What do you mean by that? Because we are a covenant country, but I'd like to hear from you what that means. Well, we wrote a whole chapter on it, and I hope you'll read that, but I'll try, I'll try to summarize the idea. It's, it's different than a contract. You and I have a contract. It's quid pro quo in a sense that you have to do something, I have to do something. A covenant is, is, is a relationship like in marriage is a covenant, uh, for better or worse. We're, we're together. We support each other. 
families are in effect a covenant and you join a church and in effect you become a covenant member where you are have the best interest of others in mind that's part of the covenant not just yourself you're not just an american to see what you can get out of things it really goes back to like president john kennedy who said you know ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country so it, it is a mutual caring about each other even though you may not know each other you may have complete differences but the point we make in the book particularly the chapter on keeping our differences is the way to live together in harmony is when you have all these differences is respect each other's differences and allow people to have different beliefs and ideas. And frankly, we haven't lost that as a nation. We've lost it in politics, in entertainment, in the media. I travel enough to know that Americans still love each other. People of all races, they get along. Uh, We've still got the glue, but people at the top are trying to destroy it. The problem is, and this is what our founders knew, the federal government has become too important. Right. Mm-hmm. And so politics, everything is pol- is political now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. You can't do a comedy show. You can't go play a game. You can't, you can't do anything without it being political. And that's the exact opposite of what our, our founders wanted. Yeah, and conservatives, I think that's another big difference between us and the left. Like, their religion is politics. Their entire life is politics. And for conservatives, politics is actually a pretty small part of who we are as Americans. You know, our culture is important. Our community is important. Raising our children is important. You know, politics sets up the structures for us to be able to do that, but it doesn't control every decision that we make. All right, more in just a second. The name of the book is Conservative, Knowing What to Keep. Uh, it's available today, uh, and uh, I have not read it. My apologies. I don't like doing interviews without reading books, but we have a special tonight, and all of us on the staff has have had about four hours sleep in the last week. Uh, so uh, I promise you I will read it. Uh, conservative, knowing what to keep, it's available at bookstores today. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.